All righty. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. No matter where you are, what you're doing, what time of day that you are listening to the podcast. I am Howard Sapp with Now You Know. I'm coming to you uh, today. We're going to talk about a few things, but just really wanted to reach out and let everybody know how um, everything is going. Um, I actually want to see, you know, see how everything is going with everyone. And um, if you guys ever have any ideas or if you guys ever have any uh, input, you know, certainly you can always hit us up on uh, Big Mouth Media, you know, and just, you know, touch base with uh, my good friend and and, and confidant and um, my cheerleader, you know, my partner uh, uh, in crime, I guess, if you wanted to say that with uh, Dr. Cindy Banye. But uh, uh, Dr. Cindy Banye, she's with us today. Dr. Cindy Banye, give everybody a good shout out. Hey, how's it going? It's hot in Florida. I know. It's hot outside. <laughs> we got the 4th of July coming up. Yes. We got July 1st coming and well, just passed behind us, which is when all those legislative laws that got passed and signed came into effect. Yes. So a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are some things we wanted to kind of be talking about today, you know, but um, we're going to just jump right in because one of the things I really, really think that it's so important um, and everyone knows, you know, what's happened with, um, you know, the Supreme Court, you know, and them talking or passing, um, well, not necessarily passing a bill, but, you know, kind of, you know, as they would say, you know, bringing, um, I guess you would say they're kind of taking us back. 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. you know, but with, with their decision. Oh, Howard, are they making America great again? Up. Oh. There you go. That's that what it means? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's You know, and, and, and it's funny, you know, how you can look at these particular things with the Supreme Court justices and they're talking about the things that uh, at least their reasoning for you know their decision, and some the some that the six that actually uh, you know had said, well, this is the reason for them coming to the decision that they came to. But then you look at you know those particular reasonings, and you look at, I guess going back to the 1930s, 1940s, actually if, even when they were talking about Lyndon B. Johnson, and, and actually actually because people think that a lot of the um, and, and we'll talk about the affirmative action piece, but a lot of people think that, you know, it was a uh, JFK that of course, you know, in the sixties is when he did, you know, the, the, the piece for uh, basically calling it affirmative action, but mm-hmm. it was actually back in the thirties when Lyndon B. Johnson was talking and, and a lot of things were coming up at that particular point, how um, we got to from the thirties up to the sixties to where actually the affirmative action piece really came into play with JFK you know, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I look at and, and saying, then how do then they, why did they come up with the affirmative action piece? And then the affirmative action piece was come uh, because of the fact that they knew that there was such, you know, racial disparity, racial inequality, and all of these things, you know, that were happening then. These were happening then. And now we come to uh, just say in the 60s, well, come to the 60s, well, the civil rights movement was taking place. Dr. Martin Luther King got shot, you know, and JFK came and said, okay, well, we need to make sure that, you know, people of color, uh, my, just minorities, not necessarily just people of color, but minorities, people of color, definitely uh, the women and others, you know, that wanted to make sure that they had a voice, they had a place, they were not being okay. um, unequally treated, you know, if it came to education, if it came to jobs, if it came to other issues. So this is why the affirmative action piece actually started. And but the civil rights movement pushed it off 
But this is why it started, because they did have this inequality at that particular time. So from there, transitioning from the 60s up until now, we'll say, okay, well, how much have we progressed since then? Is there still, and what the justices were saying, is there still a need? Even when it comes to education, is there still a need? But we can see even today and how clear it is that, yes, there's still a need. You know, but they want to say, well, and, and this is one of the things that really hit me, and, and, and I wrote it down, but uh, Justin, uh, Justice uh, Clarence Thomas um you know, he would say, okay, well, I know that, you know, it was because of, you know, the, the race that I'm from, but we have now what he called a colorblind constitution. Mm. You know, and I'm, I'll say a colorblind constitution where we are hoping that all men, or it says that all men are created equal. But then we have so many things that are going on now in today's society, and we can clearly see, and we can clearly delineate, you know, so many things that are People are being treated unfairly based on the race, based on the gender, based on uh, sometimes religion, you know, but we can still clearly see how these things are still taking and uh, taking effect within our society today. How can you still say that there is not a need and that we have such a colorblind society when we have a governor here in the floor in the state of Florida doing some of the things that they're doing when we have uh, when you want to talk about drawing boundaries in uh, and, and voting precincts and voting lines. You want to do that, but but there is a colorblind society. If there was a colorblind society, why would there be a need for you to redistrict and redistrict unfairly places for people to vote? Why would there be a need for there to always be an issue with people having the right to vote and you um, putting in place or wanting to put in place restrictions on people and how they vote? Why would there be a need for all of these things if we had such a colorblind constitution and a colorblind society? With that being said, then how can these justices come to a conclusion of there is still not a need? And 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 I can go on, but I'm gonna let you jump in right there because I, I I know you I, I know you're thinking, but. Well, I, I want to clarify. So this was the end of this term for the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So the, the term ends in June. So in June. The, the way that it works with the Supreme Court is they have they each year they decide the cases that they're, they're going to hear. Right, exactly. So the lawyers come and they do all their thing. And right. then the justices make their decisions be known basically through June is what, you know what right. it came yeah. down to. And so they had heard all these and then they were writing and getting ready to release their opinions mm -hmm. and their rulings on this. So this last week of June is where of many decisions were put out by the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. right. including one that a lot of people see as a good ruling, which was rebuking the independent state legislature theory, which was right, exactly, exactly. Essentially saying right. like mm -hmm. a state can just make voting whatever, right? right like exactly, it was exactly right. It yes. was one of the pieces of legislation or pieces of legal theory that the Trump team was pushing for their election overturning. Right. So mm -hmm. the Supreme Court said, no, states can't just they make can't, up the law. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Was I'm, I'm, I was surprised, but I'm glad they did. I'm glad they did too, because <laughs> at least like democracy has not ended this week. So exactly. that's <laughs> this week. <laughs> Um, but what we saw in the latter part of the week were the decisions that came out related to affirmative action. So the Supreme Court justice along ideological lines was the six to three supermajority of conservative mm -hmm. judges. Yes. Yes. How many were appointed by Trump? Three of them appointed by Trump. Yep. Um, right. Um, 
decided against using race as a factor in college admissions, which is part of affirmative action, which mm -hmm. is what we are talking about. Other cases that came out, the ruling came out was against the, the Colorado uh, equality law that mm -hmm. said that um, you have to make cakes for everybody, for instance. Right, exactly. And there was this, yes. this woman uh -huh. right. who wanted to become a wedding website designer, but was super worried about making a website for gay people. Gay this people. is, mm -hmm. she just totally made this up, by the way. It's, it turns out it's all like totally fictitious. And, um, but anyway, she won the case saying that because that's a creative piece that was first amendment. So her, she does not have to Right, exactly. create a website, mm -hmm. but people see it essentially as a a way to discriminate against mm -hmm. a protected class of people. Exactly. And then there was also, of course, the ruling rolling back the student loan debt forgiveness right, right, by right, Biden. That was, yeah, that was uh, when President Biden was trying to, you know, push through, and they were saying, "No, you can't do that." For, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Which, by the way. A lead proponent of that was the NAACP mm -hmm. because it really affects Black Americans who oftentimes were given high and predatory loan rates. This is true. Uh, for smaller colleges and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it actually that decision is somewhat wrapped up with the, uh, the affirmative action decision mm -hmm. as well. And um, so what's been interesting about specifically the affirmative action and the, the plaintiffs in that case, interestingly enough, was a group called Students for Fair Admissions, and they were championing, championing the plight of Asian American students yes. as a group of people who were being discriminated against inherently because of the, the affirmative action system. And mm -hmm. this was different. Uh, this was the same law firm. The same group of people has been trying to roll back affirmative action via the courts for two decades now. And they had used women before and that didn't really work. And then they found, you know, Asian Americans, you know, because they oftentimes that group of students are high performing, right? Mm -hmm. That they were able to kind of make the case, right? Unfortunately, it was pitting one race of people against another, which is a disgustingly exactly. divisive tactic. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, by the way, fully funded by by right wing conservative extremists well, and people definitely. who want to make the judiciary the place for the battleground for this. Um, but it's been a long fight for them, you know, that they've been trying to get this victory, trying to overturn affirmative action. I think what's been most disingenuous about this is that the data does not support that racial discrimination in college admissions or anywhere else has mm -hmm. ended. Right? I totally agree because because you, you look at even even some of the um, collegiate institutions would say. From this and and with with in the same breath, we still need to make sure that we do things because to, to, that we do things just to make sure that we do have a fair and equitable um, admissions process by which, like I said, even if we can, because they want to continue to instill uh, instill diversity within their institution. Right. They want to make sure that that happens, and they were saying that even from the point of uh, the advantages of having such a diverse institution in classes and that type of thing, people coming out or the students coming out that graduate, you know, often have more of a diverse mindset and attitude as they meld into society, you know, so right. 
those that don't, they're still, you know, the almost like the haves and have nots, you know, the us versus them is, you know, you know, we don't have to worry about you because of whatever case. But understanding the diversity piece and the colleges and institutions are saying that, you know, we need to make sure because our students are the ones that's going to benefit, not just those that are minorities, but everybody benefits. Everybody benefits from a diverse set of students. Mm -hmm. Definitely. With diverse experiences, diverse races. Yeah. And one thing that I've been talking about a lot is one thing I've been talking about a lot is actually how the admissions process works because there's so many people who don't really fully understand it, mm-hmm. um, especially people who are trying to criticize it. And, you know, I actually, so I'll, I'll put this out there, you know, our Congressman Byron Donalds was all over CNN as one of the very few uh, black Republicans in Congress, his thoughts on this matter were, were highly sought. Right. Mm-hmm. So he had said, Oh, you know, this was a good ruling and there was a time when we needed it, but that time is over. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is the quote that I said. I said, Byron Donald undoubtedly benefited from affirmative action. Mm-hmm. And all he's done is close the door behind him. And I wanted to know at what point does, does he think that we actually ended racial discrimination? Because exactly. I don't think it was in 2002 when he was in college, when nope. he transferred, right, mm-hmm. um, to Florida State. And the so I got some blowback from folks because they were saying, oh, I was being racist by assuming that. I said, let me tell you something. Affirmative action is something that's baked into the admissions process. Mm-hmm. And it's one of a series of metrics that the admissions at universities, they they decide how they want to do it. And each university decides differently. So they're looking right. at, uh, you know, their essays, they're looking at test scores, grades, they're looking at your school, the caliber of your school, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it you know, a, a high performing school is a low performing school. They're looking at your geographic. They're looking at your, your extracurriculars, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things, right? They put your life experience and your race and all these other things into a combine, right? right? That basically shoots out a score, okay? Mm-hmm. That says, okay, this person is here. And then they offer acceptance letters to people you know, here and above, mm-hmm. maybe this, you know, below this line, what, however they determine it. Right. And by the way, it can be different from year to year. And I know that, listen, I know this because I, I've worked in higher ed for 10 years, okay, more than a decade. Like I've seen this process. I've, I've coached other people through it as well, um, you know, helping high school students get into college, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. the, the, the line, it can change from year to year, can change from university. And they say, okay, maybe these students get waitlisted. And then of the ones that they send an acceptance letter to, you know, not all of those students are even going to go there, right? So right, it's kind exactly. of like a shuffle all around. Mm-hmm. So when it comes down to it, affirmative action and race-based consideration and admissions is like one of a hundred criteria. Right. And so there's no such thing. And what I hear Republicans say all the time is like, oh, well, they're giving a black student, a a lesser performing black student, a a place that a white or an Asian student would have. And I'm like, it doesn't really work like that. Like it's not like one person gets in and one person doesn't get out. This is a huge pool. There are multiple factors and each person who applies is going to be quite different. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's nobody that's like, here's the exact same student and this one's white and this one's black and this one gets in because they're black. Right. That doesn't happen. Okay. It doesn't happen that way. 
it's a whole combination of things. And it is something where, yeah, so maybe, uh, you know, somebody who, but it's, you know, the a black person who performed high, mm-hmm. right, uh, may get a, a, a point, whereas a white person who performed high will just not get the race point, right? right? But that doesn't mean that what they do on their essay or what their other extracurricular activities or whatever doesn't come into that. So it's just one of many factors. And it's not something that always, you know, in different universities have a different way that they deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. But there is not, there's not a quota, right? There's no special number of black people that need to be admitted okay like it's it's always it's this big thing it's a multifaceted thing and the the concept and really this actually goes back to the supreme court ruling what they had been saying with the case from several years ago where the white woman a white woman was a plaintiff Mm -hmm. was this premise that that she didn't get in it was like university of texas she didn't get in but Mm -hmm. A random black person got right. in exactly. over her, even though she was more qualified. Okay. And that was the problem is like, you can't say that you're quote unquote more qualified if in such an, a huge factor yeah. and saying that the factor, the reason that she didn't get in was because she was white and that person was black. Exactly. Because she, you know, because there's so many other reasons. Maybe she didn't get good grades. Maybe she had a crappy essay. Like, you know, right. and, and this is the, the problem with the thinking of it. It's too, it is too black and white, right? And where it's actually much more nuanced than that. I, I totally agree, you know, because I know that you know, a lot of people think that they're getting something just because they're black or minority or whatever it is, just because, but, you know, but this person can have, you know, 4.0 GPA, you know, scored, you know, high on the SAT, you know, the ACT, the essay was knocked out, you know, had, you know, tight references, um, you know, whatever they had, you know, so many other things that they did that really put them in a place you know, to be able to be selected. And just because of the fact that, okay, they happen to be a minority. Okay. Well, you got extra points for that, you know, and then you move forward here. Now, someone else, like you say, you know, may or may not have, um, you know, scored just because of the fact that you are in, and I think that this goes back to, and which we're not talking about, but the premise is still the same goes back to the thought of the white privilege piece, you know, because of the fact that just because I am, um, you know, white, you know, I should be able to do this. And if this person is black gets in front of me, it's because of the fact that, you know, affirmative action, they're got, they're getting it just because of the fact that they're black has nothing to do with their ability has nothing to do with what they have done. They could have run circles around you educationally, you know, but right. you say, well, just because yeah. of the fact that they're black, that's why they got it. No, right. you don't know that person. And, and I, I totally agree that some people think that that's how it is. And one, one right. of the things that I really think of and, you know, look at and, and I look at the, the institutions themselves and, you know, if people were thinking in that vein, as far as the persons are here, just because of the fact that they're black and, you know, I'm, um, I want to go to this particular school because it has a good, good uh, history. It has a good whatever, just say athletic, um, you know, center and, and everything. And, and we're good and we're this and we're that. If they really wanted to look at it, and if they really wanted to say that they're going to begin to make change, I would say, then look how they do scholarships. If that was if that was going to be the case, if you really want to begin to draw differences, look at how they do scholarships, because not every 
and I mean, it is what it is. Not every black athlete is a great. Um, I mean, they're not the, they're not the smartest as far as education. You know, they they, mm-hmm. they, they and I'm not saying that they're dumb or anything like that because you have some that goes on to be, um, you know, mechanical engineers or doctors, lawyers, whatever. So, but on an average, just say that their grades aren't as they're not a 4.0 student, but they're good in athletics. So if you want to start saying, well, this person got in because of this particular scholarship, if you want to begin to parse those particular pieces out, your athletic you know, institution may not be where it is today because of the fact that, I mean, and, and just look at the numbers. Most, most of the people on a football team are African-American. Basketball team, African-American. But these are the these particular um, pieces of this college bring in the most money. Yeah. And when you start talking about bringing, when you start talking about, so I mean, I, I have to, you, you have to look at these particular things when people want to, re- if they really want to go there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say. So I actually, there's a whole nother. I have a friend who's really, really into this, as far as like the athlete scholarship. I was going to say. First of all, I know a lot of really dumb white like athletes that get scholarships. <laughs> so, like it's not. This is not just a race issue. I but here's the, so there's a total like in this. There's a total financial thing with this as well. So actually, even though there's all these football scholarships, do you know that there has to be an equal number of women's scholarships in yes, women's yes, sports, yes, right? So actually, you're getting. You know, even though, yeah, you're getting these other guys in, there's there's a commensurate amount of women who get in to play as well, right? Who may not have had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Additionally, you're right that the the sports at a university, the big ones, you know, football and basketball are often money makers for the college in some way, shape or form. Some of them operate quite differently where they have like their own little budget and people that fund Mm -hmm. into it and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And I only know that because I've actually been part of the fundraising for the scholarships (laughs) for Michigan State (laughs) University. And that's where I got to meet D'Antonio and you know the football coach and um yes. anyway so like i i kind of know a little bit about that backside and they always talk about this too it's like look it's it's kind of a separate pool of money and yes they're paying back into the university and the sports and this is another fun thing about sports is when anytime a university makes it into the sweet 16 right mm-hmm. this happened at fgcu by the way okay. there's a, an uptick in admissions into applications the next yes. fall right because yes, everyone's like true. oh that looked like a cool place i never heard of it listen when fgcu made it into the sweet 16 during the dunk city years right which mm-hmm. was what 2014 mm-hmm. they got so many applications the following right. year they mm-hmm. had to change they or they decided to change how they admit students into the university so they actually wow. rather than admit more students they changed their criteria so it was a higher grade point average mm-hmm. and a higher test score they they chose to do that so that means and this is where it's like not everything's fair all the time and shit life's not fair guys just just, so a student that was admitted in let's say 2012 Mm -hmm. to fgcu had a lower score than students that were admitted in 2014 Mm -hmm. They, they made that decision the university chose to do that and this is part of the thing and i will also say i don't i have no problem with giving scholarships to athletes for multitudes right, of right, reasons, right, but also the particularly the the basketball and the football players have a high propensity of being exploited. They That's oftentimes true. it was only recently was it allowed for them to sign uh, and make money off 
their likeness, mm -hmm. their likeness, right? Like they're making video games mm -hmm. with these, you know, young men, right? But because they're amateurs, they weren't allowed to collect any money. So they exactly. literally were using their face and their name. Yep. And the school making tons And the of school money. was making money off of them. So yeah, I don't... <laughs> I don't have a problem with them getting a scholarship, whether they do well or not. And I hope that they do. Exactly. <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm, but, I, I totally agree. But what a lot of people have said, if you want to make a, you want to make a, you have a bone to pick with who gets it into universities, you got to look at legacy. Mm -hmm. Now, legacies only happen at Ivy League schools. Public universities do not have a legacy system. But like if your parents went to Harvard or whatever, you could get on what's called legacy. Now, right. Donald Trump was a legacy, by the way, just mm -hmm. FYI. So that means that's why he was an idiot and like doesn't actually know how to do business because not only was he a legacy like into the university, but then he actually paid other people to do his his work oh yeah oh yeah Definitely. from what i understand but um 43 of um the white students at harvard are either legacy, legacy or athletes or children of faculty so that's for almost half of white people at harvard have some sort of connection and network to that school exactly and that was kind of brought up as part of like, hey, you want to really talk about who gets a leg up? That's where you should look. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I did think was interesting is the, the organization, the Students for Fairness and Admissions, had made the point that it can actually looking at this in a certain way, rolling back race and looking or not using race as a criteria um, can have a positive effect because at Again, we're looking at a small group of universities, but Ivy League universities, uh, a large portion, I, I think it was above 50% was of black students in those universities were mm -hmm. higher socioeconomic status. Right. So they were already folks who had network and privilege. So it, mm -hmm. it rates at that point when you are in this like upper echelon, like small percentage of people who are making over $400,000 a year. Right. Yeah. That 1%. Yeah, race doesn't always necessarily make a difference. And that's what th their case was like, hey, so for Harvard, it's great. Here's the problem with basing everything on who gets into Harvard is that most students go to, don't go to Harvard. <laughs> like most that's, students that's go true. to all the other universities, the public universities, the community colleges, all this other kind of stuff, right? right. Like they're just trying to get ahead in their life. And yeah, it would be great if we weren't prioritizing wealthy people at the expense of poor people. But when everybody else is kind of in this middle mix of folks, how do we differentiate people who have likely been affected negatively by the continuation of systemic racism in our country? And that's affirmative action. No, and, 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 I, and I totally agree. You know, it's, um, you know, looking at, like you say, you know, the, and, and it goes back to, just like you were saying, you know, people that get in and it, and it, it's amazing how you can look at one program and get upset. Just say what affirmative action does for uh, the the educational piece for you know minorities, but then you want to cut this out and say it was this, it was that. It you know it's um, giving someone a leg up, you know, and kind of going from there. But just like that example of the young lady in Texas, you know, saying she didn't get into this particular school because of you know this one situation. But you did not mention, or she did not mention any other situations. Like you say, it could be legacy, it could be you know um, faculty, it could be whatever it is. But you you just wanted to bring out one particular thing or one particular right. point as far as why someone why you didn't get in and feeling as though this is what 
you know, what happened to you, but you have so many other factors and so many other ways that people can get in outside of that. And it would be interesting for me to see, and I don't know the numbers, but how many people actually got into a, an institution based off of affirmative action, as opposed to all of the other ways that they can get in outside of just whatever their academic piece, the academic credibility is, if it's, and, and I know that they won't say, you won't get a good number, but you know, if the people have someone that goes there, if their their mother or father went there or their family has given so much money to the institution and stuff like that. So you look at these particular factors, but people don't want to look at those things. They just want to look at this one piece. Why? Right. Because of the fact that this is the thing that, that can divide so greatly. If someone says, well, my parent went there so I can get in, that's not going to cause a big stink around, you know, or, you know, the legs, it's not going to cause a big stink. But when you bring in these particular pieces, as far as uh, race, color, um, minority, gender, any type of things that you can say that, you know, a person has been discriminated against, that's when you can begin to be divisive. And that's mm -hmm. when the, um, that's when they begin to look at other things and other facts, or that's when they say, Oh, well, let's look at this. And that's what makes the news. That's what makes now everybody's position of, of something, you know, big, small, however, but that's what makes it arguable. And we can begin to debate that. But if it's just say, well, my parents went there. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. Well, here's the thing. And, and this kind of goes back to what my point was. And even though I got blowback and people were saying, oh, you're racist for saying that Byron benefited. I said, no, because everyone benefited. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. If you were black and applied to a university, if the university used race as part of their application criteria mm -hmm. for affirmative action, you got a point for it, right? Exactly. So whether that put him on the fence to get him in or not, I, I have no idea. And the fact right. is, is that no one does, right? Because right. you can't really tease out this information in the admissions, okay? Because mm -hmm. like I said, the admissions is this complex thing and you know there are people who this is their whole job at the university they're going through they also they do want to make sure that it's balanced and we're not letting you know some different kind of you know different you know types of qualifications for who they let in right so they want right. to have, certain, have, have right. um, areas as well they don't have quotas but it's like oh we want to you know sometimes they say hey we want to have a certain percentage of international students we have a certain percentage mm -hmm. of out-of-state students we have a, you know uh, whatever right right um mm -hmm. they're kind of tweaking their numbers and who they let in and whatever or who they you know offer admissions to but you can't because it's such a complex process you can't say okay well this percentage of students quote unquote you know got in because of affirmative action because you don't know where they were on the spectrum exactly exactly, right? exactly. like right. everybody they, they benefit from it but you know women i think and some universities will get that right if you are mm -hmm. poor you will get that right sometimes they the, the legacy too sometimes they will have oh is your family alumni they'll give you a point for that right like mm -hmm. so it's a complex thing and um you know, I think it's it's unfortunate because also higher ed is under attack on a whole bunch of different reasons, right? Like oh, there's yeah, no, definitely. this is just adding into people being upset about higher ed. And mm -hmm. that's that's unfortunate as well. That's part of this discussion. I, I totally agree. You know, and, and, that, and that's the thing that you say, you know, the higher ed and, and we can go there based off of what, you know, DeSantis is doing as far as, you know, higher ed and stuff is concerned. And, you know, the reasoning behind that and and, and how that's affecting um, different places. And uh, like you said, that that's a total of, of 
yeah. it's included in this piece, but that's totally uh, uh, another discussion that you know we can spend you know you know a ton of time on you know. But looking at this and you know just say again going back to Clarence Thomas's colorblind constitution and affirmative action and what what people really think and how they um, feel and because right now you have I think the percentage was about fifty. Two-ish percent, between 52 and 53 percent of Americans agree with the justices, you know, and then others don't. And they're saying, well, you know, but I think that because of the fact that people have such, I'll just say, lack of understanding yeah. of what affirmative action is. So this is yeah. why, because so many people just think it's a black-white issue. Well, you got right. it just because you're black. You got it because you're a minority. You got it because you're a woman or whatever the case may be, you know, but you can, they can go back to, and if they even actually did their, you know, homework, go back even as far as women are concerned, you know, go back and do the homework as far as, you know, how long women have been fighting for their rights. You know, you, so if you really want to go back and start doing why someone is getting something, look at how they've been treated in history and what right. they've been doing, at least to say, well, I want to make sure that I'm equal, you know, okay, well, you can get a job, but you may not get the same pay, but you're, you're a woman, you're going to do the same job, but for less pay. So is, is that fair? You know, so they're going to fight for those particular things. Well, can a woman vote? You know, why can't why can't you know this particular woman vote? They can't vote because simply because she's a woman. So they're fighting for those particular things. So if they really want to go back in history and look why, look at why affirmative action and those type of policies actually came about, they would understand. And if they look at those things and if they see and really took a good, hard, heartfelt you know, understanding to say what is fair and what's right and why it should be, and to look at our country to see where our country is today, they can see that our country has not gotten to a place where I feel as though it should be because of the fact that you still go through the same thing today. So you can't say that we are not, we now have a colorblind constitution and we're Wait, racial didn't, discrimination didn't end, Howard. That's what Byron said. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. had Obama, Howard. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm missing something. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not Race, racism is. ended with Obama, as far as I know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Obama. Yeah, it's totally over now because yeah. you got a black president. So now, once we got the black president, uh, racism was done. Yeah, yeah, it's it's done. Yeah, yeah. What's know, funny so. is like I'm joking right now, but the, I've literally heard that from people. Are you serious? Yeah, white. Yeah, white people say that. Some white people say that. <laughs> okay, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's it's wild. But yeah, that's that's one I've I've wow. heard that more times than I can take seriously. Wow. It it's it that see and, and that and that's the sad part about it is and when you talk about it and, and a lot of people don't want to talk about the racism in the country to say that um you know our country is just say just say if, if someone says our country is racist or whatever the case may be. And I'm not going to say that the country itself is racist. I'm going to say that the people that's making the decisions, you have enough of them in place, you know, that would point to an unfair, they will point to unfair decisions. I'll put it that way. But you have enough people in place. And so you can have, just like they say, you have um, Supreme Court justices. You know, you got your nine. Not saying everybody up there is racist, but you have enough in place to make decisions that will kind of point to those particular things, point to the unfairness, taking out the diversity, taking out the uh, the equality, taking out the um, the pieces to where it seemed that this is a fair decision. You have enough people in place to do those things. You yeah. Know, so. 
Well, I mean, I think you made a great point here about why it is that affirmative action came about. And it was to try to correct some of the imbalances, right? Mm -hmm. And to allow access to people to have education when they were not allowed before. And there were even some Ivy League universities that didn't even let women in until 1986, right? Yeah. So it's this is this is a long going ongoing thing. Um, and we are seeing pushback from it. This is the whole, you know, Florida is where woke goes to die kind of thing. This is the, right. the, yeah. the attack on CRT. Mm-hmm. It's all wrapped up in this that that these white men are feeling the burden of this, right? Mm-hmm. They are they are feeling like they're being rejected and left out because of these policies that are meant to correct historic racism exactly. and discrimination that w- that that existed, right? Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate part about it is that the folks who are the most upset about it are honestly not even all the people that are always affected by it, but they feel That's like they've true. been affected by it very true. because <laughs> there's the disaffected vote. I mean, and a lot of times, listen, it's, it's this, this sliver of people who've went and voted for Trump mm-hmm. disaffected, uneducated working class white men mm-hmm. are the ones who are just digging in on this issue a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've lost economic standing over the years and the reason has nothing to do with racism, but, you know, it, it feels more convenient to say, look, right. it's because they gave your job to uh, a black guy or an immigrant. Right. That's exactly. why you're not making money now. It's not because we, um, you know, destroyed labor protections <laughs> and this job that you have now that you should be making if the trajectory of income had continued to rise. And let's make it even relative to what the CEOs in these companies are making. You mm-hmm. should be making seventy five dollars an hour right, right. now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um but they don't want to do that. They don't want to say, oh, the CEO is the bad guy, right? They don't want to talk about the rollback of these rate labor rights and the destruction right. of unions and the bullshit that is the right to work state. They want to make a scapegoat because that's a lot easier to do. There you go. It's a lot easier to explain. Yes. Um, it's that it's their fault, mm-hmm. right? It's the black guy's guy's fault that you didn't get into university. Mm -hmm. It's the immigrants fault that you don't have a job, Mm -hmm. right? It's so much easier, so much clearer than the truth, which is far more nuanced. It's actually much more disgusting because it's profiteering and exploitation, right? That's where Mm -hmm. we are. And it's, it's created a political situation where people can be leveraged, you know, to violence unfortunately. Yeah. It, yeah it, it, and like you said, and, pe- and people can hide behind those particular shelters and know they can hide behind those particular um, you know, banners of, like you say, you know, it's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. Um, you know, but it, it's crazy if people really took a look, you know, and the one thing that um, Governor DeSantis don't want people to do is understand the, the history of you can say Florida, but the history of America. I mean, we we it is what it is. If they really want to go back, I mean, they can go back to you know the uh, the French Indian War. They can go back to all of these particular things of how uh, the country was founded. You know, it's funny because people say, well, even as a white person, we're all immigrants. Just like you 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 had said, we're all immigrants coming to this particular country. It was you know the French, the British, whatever. We're all immigrants. 
So you can say what you want to say that, you know, immigrants shouldn't be here or whatever the case may be. Let, let, let's look at this and, and take a hard look at it. And, and then the roles that everybody played, like I said, we came from establishment where we're established, you know, on such a diverse, um, basically from a diverse pillar. And that being the case, immigrants, whoever, whether you like them or you don't like them, who, um, who's the most populated um, race, who's not the most populated race, the majority, the minority, we're, we're all here together, you know, and if, it's a shame that we can't make this piece work together. And they're, yeah. we're gonna, they're gonna continue to fight one another, continue to point the finger. It's your fault. It's this fault. It's that fault. It's because of this. It's because of that. You know, it, it's really getting to a point of just like, and, and we know right now, just like again, going to the schools, who's actually being affected? You have your kids going to school that are afraid to say something to teachers because they don't want, you know, their parents maybe, and for good reason, the parent could be an undocumented person trying to yeah. get their way into citizenship. Um, having difficulties, but because of the fact that they are undocumented at this particular time, uh, if something happens, they can be deported. Now you're breaking up families, you know, and I mean, it, it just really gets crazy. But as we said before, if we can just make things to the point of an equality or an equal basis, but people don't want to do that because you begin to take money out of the rich people's pockets and uh-huh. and that, that to me, that's where a lot of it comes down to. And just just for a point of clarification for, for people that that's listening, we talked about affirmative action, but the actual policy is not necessarily affirmative action. It's not called affirmative action. It's actually called the um, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And that's what um, I think it was uh, John F. Kennedy. Um, that's what he, the policy that he put in place um, uh-huh. because of the reasons that we had talked about. And then they just said because of um, that, and they just coined it affirmative action. But, you know, when you look at the policy itself, it's not necessarily affirmative action, but it's right. equal employment opportunity commission. So just so people will understand and know that when they do, because we have some good listeners that when they do look it up, they look up the right thing. Well, and actually affirmative action is a, a way to describe a policy, right? Exactly. That's actually right. what right. it is. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's used in a lot of different ways as well. Right. We exactly. Actually exactly. will use an affirmative action policy, for instance, in procurement. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've ever heard of like the American first, you know, we got to buy mm-hmm. American first. Right. That's affirmative action. You're giving, you know, you're putting that on a pedestal over others, right? Or you're, exactly. you know, and trying to make up ground. Um, any kind of protectionist work and or employment opportunities like that are are considered affirmative action. You're giving a leg up to a certain group. So that's all it means. Right, um, exactly. And, yeah. and it's good to point out that it's it can be quite wonky and difficult to understand. <laughs> and this is actually borne out in the public opinion polling on this. So you were touching on this earlier. So the public opinion polls that came out after the Supreme Court ruling said mm-hmm. that it, it was something like um, that it was like, yeah, 53, 50% of people um, believe in affirmative action, right? Mm-hmm. If you say it like that and they go, okay, yeah, affirmative action. Part of it is because the way that the words sound, it sounds like it's a good thing, right? Right, right. However, if you actually pull out what the uh, Supreme Court case was on, and if you say, do you believe that race should be a consideration in college admis- admissions, 73% of people disagree with that. 
Mm-hmm. Now, people can be thinking about that in a positive or a negative way, but when you're really teasing out the nuances in it, people have a different understanding of it when you ask them things in a different way. So exactly. jargon versus what a thing is can really mm-hmm. be different. That's true. That's true. And and, and that's the thing that uh, I think is so dangerous. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of um, when, when you were talking about uh, people and, and the way that and, and I think we, we've had the conversation before, you know, about how, you know, re- Republicans phrase things and they phrase mm-hmm. things so that there is confusion and or so that things are slighted or pointed in one direction and don't give mm-hmm. people a complete understanding of so that when you begin to talk about a particular subject, you're talking about it from a one sided one sided viewpoint and not giving people all of the information, you know, and when you begin to give them all of the information, then their viewpoint begins to change because now I have a better understanding. But, but of, of course, that's where, um, you know, Governor DeSantis says, you know, common sense, or this is where uh, Florida's where woke comes to die, you know, so. Well, um, woke is a good example of that, or they make up a word that's like becomes a platitude to a certain extent where people, it loses all meaning, right? What right. is woke mean? You know, when (laughs) defined by Ron DeSantis' own lawyers, it was people who recognize racial and systemic inequities and are willing to do something about it. Now, if Mm -hmm. you said that to people, people would be like, well, yeah, like, why wouldn't we want to do something about that? Exactly, yes, yes. Right. But if you just say woke and you go, oh, yeah, I hate being woke. And people get all rah, rah about it. And you're like, well, what does that mean? I don't know. It's all the things I don't like. It's, it's the gays. It's the blacks. It's the whatever. Yeah, it's right. That's like it, it's, it. it's the panacea for everything that I'm mad about or I'm told to be mad about. It's Bud Light cans and Disney. Yeah, I know. Right. Exactly. It's it's all of that. You know, it's their fault. You know, they shouldn't have that. And why we? I'm so mad about the Bud Light cans. I know, right. It's like, dude, really? Um, okay, man, whatever. You know, you have no clue, you know, but that's where that's where Governor DeSantis wants to keep you. In that yeah. Where you have it's politically no expedient clue. to have people be mad about something. Right. Yes. There you go. And leverage that madness, even though it's like, you know, they frame it as, you know, something else. And then they can say, oh, aren't you mad about that? Yeah. yeah, you know? know, yeah. So, so when you get up there and everybody's jeering and screaming, I'm going to go shoot all the Bud Light cans. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, okay. You know, and that, well, that, you that, really that, told them, didn't you? After you I mean, bought those Bud Lights and blew them up. You look at that and that's what January 6th was all about. The same exact thing. You know, with, with with Trump and people were out there and they were doing things to the Capitol. I had no clue of why they were doing it, yeah. but they were just out there, you know, and that's yeah. that, that's well, the sad part about listen, it. Listen, this goes back and this is something I've been talking about with, you know, Rebecca Jones on mm-hmm. Misinformational and a lot of different shows that we talk about political rhetoric that's riled up like this, that has violent tendencies has real world consequences. Mm -hmm. I did a whole discussion on this with Sean Hartman on our show, a Democrat and a Republican, because I was, I took him to task. I said, because the party, the chair of the Republican party in the state of Florida said that he's, his job is to destroy the Democrats and, you know, make sure there are no Democrats left in Florida. And I I said, that's a problem. Like it's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to beat him at the polls or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. But Telling your your people that your job is to 
make sure there are no Democrats left. You're going to, you're going to destroy them. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, even things like Ron DeSantis said that, you know, the Democrats were dead lying by the side of the road, like roadkill, even that type of language and that, that imagery can manifest into real world violence. That's true. Very true. That's a problem, right? It's one thing Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, it's my team versus your team and rah, rah, rah. But when you start getting it, you do get January 6th. This has a whole lot to do with rhetoric and it has a whole lot to do with ginning people up about stuff. And, you know, you look at the premise of what we were talking about January 6th, it was a concoction of election lies and QAnon conspiracies that led us to that. So Mm -hmm. you cannot say that words online or words on television don't mean something. They do, they They do. do. I mean, you, you you can you can take you know as an example when they have or one of the things that they do they they look at people that have um, committed mass murders and and that type of thing and look at what have they been quote unquote listening to you know what have they been watching and looking at and they'll go back to their computers and see you know what have they been pulling up what have what have they been searching and that type of thing because of the fact that, like you say, it does matter. That's why they, you know, talk to the kids as far as social media is concerned. What are you listening to? That's why they have an issue. Some people have an issue with uh, the games that, that kids play today. You know, if they're playing, you know, Call of Duty or they're playing a lot of violent games and stuff like that, um, the psychologists would tend to say that that can um, basically um, cause some violent tendencies or some violent issues with the kids because of what they do, because of the things where they spend most of their time, the things that they're listening to, the music that they hear. That's, I guess, you know, some years ago they were talking about rap rap music. Yeah, Yeah. they were talking about rap music and how rap music would cause people to be violent. One of the things that they were talking about before, as far as a lot of the um, uh, young African-Americans, they listen to rap music. That's why they're so violent. That's why they're so mad and mean. And, you know. Well, I would say, listen, there there is some difference between like, like art and interpretation Mm -hmm. and things like that but leadership is important and that's what this is so this this is not like jimmy playing a video game or listening to music in isolation this is everybody plugging into somebody who's Mm -hmm. purposely trying to influence people to do something because let's face it that's what politics are politics Mm -hmm. are behavioral manipulation Mm -hmm. we as politicians are always trying to get people to vote Yes. Or to donate. Those are the two things that we try to do. <laughs> and then once they get into office, then it becomes another behavior manipulation in terms of getting officials to vote or persuading and influencing people to vote certain ways. And mm-hmm. that's a big dance between the interpersonal relationships of officials and the lobbying and the government and all this other stuff, right? So yeah. we have to recognize that there's a big difference in how messages that are coming from leaders are portrayed because they're specifically designed to make people do something. Well, that's, that's true. You know, and, 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 and it does take things like that a good, strong leader and it does take good leadership you know, to make sure. And like you say, the message that you're pointing across, because you can get, and, this, and to me, this is the tactic, you know, that I think yep. um, Donald Trump used. I think, yep. I think that, Ron DeSantis is trying to use, but I think he's going to fail. But Donald Trump, you know, he got those that did not have a very big education, you know, those that were, you know, in in, in a lot of instances, you know, were very gullible to 
and you know you find one thing that you can kind of point out and say that you're going to do this and find a person that you can find out where there are big issues and stuff like that are you placate to those particular things and you really push those things and you know people that really can't think for themselves and you can give them anything and when you begin to lead those type of people they'll follow you you know and that's where mm-hmm. i think a lot of people are with donald trump you know you look at how you know he has you know kind of placated to that like you say in initially just he just went up and people were just saying donald trump donald trump donald trump for whatever reason you know and he would placate to that and they would just buy into a lot of the stuff that he was saying and he led them to that particular place yeah. you know and that like you say so politics is um i mean it it is what it is but you would just hope that people and one of the things that we're trying to do here even on now you know is make sure that people have the right information make sure that people have enough information and at least hopefully they would go and if they don't have the information uh spark their interest to go to look something up you know look it up for yourself and make sure that you have a good understanding of why things whatever is important to you um the the your particular uh, candidate or your particular uh, legislator would be there and fighting for you and fighting for the things that you care about, not just listening to what they say, but watching what they do. And that's okay. a super, super important thing. How do they vote? You know, what are they actually doing? And and that just makes that it, it, it means that we all have to be responsible for the things that happen, you know, within our community, our neighborhoods, our cities, our state, we have to begin to take ownership of those things. Because if we let, you know, those people, as far as our legislators are concerned, just let them do whatever they want to do, regardless of who it is, Republican, Democrat, we have to make sure that we are in a place to say that, okay, I understand this, and I'm going to vote for this particular piece, the way that Mm -hmm. they see. So I want to make sure that our voters are well-educated educated to the point that, you know, even if they don't know something, go look it up, go search it up and let's talk about it. Let's have conversation about it. Let's make sure that there is a good understanding of, you know, why we think the way that we think, why we vote the way that we vote, why we feel the way that we feel, what's important to you, uh, what's important, what's going to be the best decision for everybody, you know, and then just kind of go from there. So that's why I want you again uh, here on Howard Sapp and we're going to get it close, but Outside with now, you know, thank you guys for tuning in, but make sure, you know, that you do um, inform yourself and, and, and inform yourself in a, in a way that regardless of what the situation is, circumstances, you have the right information that no one can come and tell you anything about just, you know, trying to pull the wool over your eyes. You know, I'm not a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm, I'm going to give you the information, um, you know, straightforward. You know, and I want you to know that regardless of what it is, uh, some things we may agree, some things you may disagree, but I'm going to let you know all the information, as much information as I can, and we'll move forward from there. So again, this is Howard Sapp with Now You Know. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm looking to having uh, some more uh, very, very in-depth and diverse conversation. Uh, my, you know, cohort, you know, partner in crime, uh, Dr. Cindy Banier with uh, Big Mouth Media, and she's going to give you of how you can tune into and how you can be a part of Big Mouth Media. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Howard. What an amazing show and fantastic discussion on the Supreme Court. So if you enjoyed this, we'd love to have you be a subscriber to our program and support us. It's $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. And you can get that right through our website on Big Mouth Media at BigMouthMediaFL.com. You can get all of our shows for $19.99 a month. Get that right sent directly to your email. You get all of the access to the videos and the 
audio, and even invitations to special events, which we're going to have many more coming up. So check that out at Big Mouth Media at BigMouthMediaFL.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys next time.